You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Welcome to a special episode of the Battery Power Podcast. I am Chris Willis, and today I am joined by baseball prospectus prospect writer Smith Brickner. Smith worked on the Braves' top 10 preseason prospect list at BP, and we're here to talk to him about it. Smith, thanks for joining me. Chris, it's great to be on. I really appreciate you having me. Oh, I'm looking forward to it. We at Battery Power, I don't know if you know, uh, but Prospects is one of the things are, that we've built our site around. Uh, obviously, it really came to light in, during the rebuild. Uh, but the prospects is still a major part of our site and our coverage. So it's good to have somebody, you know, from the outside to kind of give us a, an opinion on, on where things stand with the, st- the system. If you want to mm-hmm. uh, give me, a, give us a little um, background on, on your history as a prospect writer. I know you were a baseball prospectus now and everyone should go over there and subscribe to uh, be able to see your work. Yeah, well, I appreciate it and very familiar with your website and you guys do some great work as well. And, you know, that's that's something I just want to preface with is, you know, just because we might have different rankings doesn't mean that I don't respect uh, all the other outlets and all the hard work that people do. Uh, it's just a difference of opinion, really. But, you know, there, there's no uh, lack of, of hard work uh, or work ethic in putting these lists together. So have great respect for you and in a lot of other outlets. But, yeah, so I first got into baseball. Um, in college, I interned, well, really just after college, I graduated in 2019 and uh, actually interned for TrackMan, which is the company that provides all the radars that you might see that captures exit velocity, spin rates, right? All the statistics that are on Baseball Savant are largely courtesy of TrackMan. Um, and, and there's some new technology that, um, coincides with TrackMan, such as Hawkeye, but I, I had the opportunity to intern with TrackMan and I was in data quality and data operations and was largely responsible for cleaning data from minor league games, from uh, collegiate baseball games. And uh, at the same time, I was also a scout for Baseball Prospectus. Uh, that was really my first go around with BP. So I was doing both those things at the same time, really scouting on weekends and you know after my work day. Uh, by TrackMan. And uh, it was a really long eight or nine months at TrackMan because I was doing two-hour commute there, two-hour commute back home uh, and getting up at 4.30 in the morning. But that was a lot of fun. And the reason why I I start with that and, and emphasize that is, you know, to get into baseball, you really have to put the work in, you know, and there's really no level that's too low for you to start at. Um you know, and I'd had some baseball internships uh, with a, a player agent before that where, 
I literally met a baseball agent online going into uh, the Yankees um, wildcard game in 2015 against the Astros. And so that's how I got my initial uh, foot in the door. But Trackman was really the, the thing that I think got me a lot of credibility and, and that allowed me to parlay that into a role with the Atlanta Braves, funny enough, in their front office. And specifically in p- player development, I was a minor league video and information trainee. And uh, that's essentially the intern that travels with, you know, the likes of the Mississippi or Rome Braves. Uh, well, I know that the Rome team has a different team name now, but, um, you know, the, it's essentially the intern that is the data quality and and video guy uh, for, for the minor league team. And that usually translates, if you do a good enough job, into some other role with with the team. The unfortunate thing, though, Chris, is that that happened to be during the 2020 season. <laughs> and uh, if you recall, that's when there was no minor league baseball being played. Um, so so I was unfortunately let go and um, had to do a bit of a career shift over to finance, which is what my initial major was in at college. Um, so I now work in New York City, um, private wealth management from Morgan Stanley primarily. But you know, after I came back into the finance world, um, I rejoined a baseball prospectus as a scout and um, have nothing but great things to say about the Braves. It's certainly not their fault why I'm, I'm not working full-time in baseball anymore. Just uh, kind of some brutal circumstances, but you make the most of it and still learned a fair bit, even in my abbreviated time there and and have nothing but great things to say about them as an organization. Yeah, that's a, that's a great story. And, and it, it, you're right. It is bad luck that, it, you know, it, it coincided with the 2020 season when there was no minor leagues or anything, but I thought you, I don't think that's bad luck, Chris. I mean, I wouldn't be here talking to you if I wasn't, you know, well, that's true. That's true. That's true. Um, well, let's get into your, let's get into your top 10 list here. And I mean, we'll start right at the top in uh, Hurston Waldrop, who I, I would say of any Braves prospect, you know, I think he's had the most top 100 buzz. He was part of a uh, baseball prospectus's top 100. He was the only Braves prospect on that list. I mean, it's a pretty simple evaluation when you think about it. You're talking about at least two plus to double plus pitches here in his slider and split change. Uh, they're they're both pretty insane pitches with really good pitch characteristics. The fastball actually plays down from his velocity, even though he sits 95 to 97. So it, it tracks more like an average to maybe slightly above average as opposed to plus because it doesn't have the, the life up in the zone that you'd like. But, you know, when you throw that hard with the collection of secondaries that he has, it almost does not matter. You know, it, like it, as long as you can use that to establish the rest of your arsenal, that's enough to work with here. And a lot of this ranking was also a projection that the fastball would play up once he got into the Braves player development system because one of the things that they're really good at is optimizing arm slots for fastballs. Um, they love to target guys that have very clean arm actions that just need to make a slight adjustment or two to get either an optimal fastball or breaking ball. Um, the, the Braves, I think are one of, if not, well, I I think they're probably a notch below the Dodgers, but they're right in the conversation as the next best player development group in baseball. So we're also projecting a bit here and the way that we formulate our top prospect lists is that we rank players based off what their 75th percentile outcome looks like, which is essentially they hit their upside case, not their max upside, but what is, you know, a slight upside case. And in the case for Waldrop, we just felt 
I think pretty collectively as a group at BP that Waldrop's um, uh, 75th percentile outcome as a major leaguer is just a notch above the rest and, and by no means a, a slight on the other guys in this list. Um, but, you know, there's a chance here that, you know, if this fastball comes around and if he's just able to get a little bit better shape with the slider and, and split change, which is just a hellacious pitch, you're looking at a guy that could be a real monster. Now, what changes that monster projection from a, a reliever to a starter is if that command can also get a little bit better. And we're not talking like he has to get to average command. If he gets to even below average command, uh, you're talking about a guy that isn't quite to the extent of Spencer Strider because Strider has literally two eight-grade pitches. Waldrip doesn't have two eight-grade pitches, but he's got two arguably seven-grade pitches. You're talking about a guy that could absolutely slot in as a number two, kind of sort of in the way that Dylan Cease does. Like if if Waldrop hits, it's going to look a lot like a Dylan Cease where the command will never allow him to be a number one, but it could certainly afford him the chance to be a very good number two. And he's in the perfect farm system to realize that upside. So that was the real case for Waldrop to be number one. But if you haven't had a chance to look at the slider and split change on tape yet, just do yourself in favor and look up some of the highlights that he has from Florida. They're really exciting. And even the ones that he had in the minors last year, they're very exciting. Yeah, the Braves were really aggressive with him last year. He actually made a start at AAA at the end of the season. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm, I'm not 100% sure where he's going to start out at. I'm guessing maybe Mississippi just because of the amount of um, AAA arms that the Braves are likely to have to start the season uh, for a little seasoning. I'm really excited to see him in the spring. Uh, he, hasn't, he hasn't gotten into a game yet, but I think that'll be coming maybe by the end of the week. At the same time, you know, I mean, you look at a guy like this, and you know we know he was a college a college arm you know so he's he's got and the Braves pushed him uh, very aggressively at the end of last season. Is this a guy that you think could have an impact in twenty twenty four? Chris, I'm going to take it a step further. I I think there's a non zero chance that he could be in the opening day rotation. Oh wow! I think there is a real chance if he shows out because look, you know the Braves the Braves get it in terms of putting the best roster forward at all times. And if Waldrip shows that he's the fifth best starter, if he's better than Bryce Elder, if he's better than Reynaldo Lopez, he's going to be in their major league rotation. The Braves don't play around when it comes to promoting guys. We've seen them promote guys straight from double A multiple times over the last few years. You think about Michael Harris, you think about uh, Vaughn Grissom and, you know, they turned that into Chris Sale. You know, they've been very aggressive with some of their pitchers in the past. Sometimes I think maybe a little too aggressive, it may, we'll talk about one of those pitchers a little bit later in the show, but there's a non-zero chance that Waldrop just forces the situation here, and the Braves have shown a willingness. If you're ready, you're going to come up, and his stuff is nasty enough where he has like four or five really good outings in the spring. I would not be surprised if he's at least in the majors. Having said that, I do think the most likely outcome is that he's at AAA. I think... I think it's close between double A AA and triple A. I, I think he's going to start in triple A just because that's where he finished last year. But, you know, at that point, it's a bit of a toss up. But uh, I, I think there is a fast track for him. And I'd be frankly surprised if he does not make his major league debut this year. The only way I can see that happening is if the command completely falls off, especially up the secondaries um, or if he gets hurt. 
if those two things don't happen, I think it's almost a guarantee he's going to be a major leaguer this year. Oh, that's exciting. That's exciting to hear, and it makes me even more excited to see him uh, pitch this spring. Um, another guy that, you know, you were talking about the Braves being aggressive, you know, and, and that guy really last year was A.J. smith Shaver, who made yeah. his major league debut as a as a 20-year-old. smith Shaver's gotten some top 100 buzz by a few outlets. Others ha- have skipped over him. You you guys have him ranked fourth in the Braves' top ten. Um, mm-hmm. You know, I, it seems like that he goes, you know, some people are really high on him and other people are a little more measured. As When we're talking about prospects, you always – I love the, the many diverse opinions that we can get yeah. on, a, on, a, on, a, on a prospect like this. Uh, but what do, you, what do you guys see about smith Shaver that have you ranked him – rank him down the list? Yeah, well, again, I think this is more a testament to the job the Braves have done to developing guys despite drafting really, really low in, in recent drafts more than anything. We still like A.J. Smith-Shawver. Um, you know, if if you look at our grading system, which is called OFP, again, 75th percentile outcome, um, we still have him as a 55, which means that he's a number three or four starter, which I think is largely in line with what the rest of the industry says. So it's I would look more at what our actual grade is as opposed to where he's ranked, because I think it's more of a compliment to someone else we'll talk about later, Ignacio Nacho Alvarez um, and Owen Murphy. But, you know, with with Shaver, there were some pitch characteristics. If you look at the the characteristics that usually we can project out in the future to, to see if a guy's going to be productive or not. Um, the fastball doesn't have amazing shape. It's kind of in the way that, that Hurston Waldrop has very good velocity. Aegis Mishover has even better velocity than Waldrop, but it's still a little flat for my liking and, or not flat, but it just doesn't have a life. And, you know, he just didn't get many swings and misses on that pitch. So I'd be curious to see if they try to tinker a little bit with a two-seamer or sinker for him. Um, that could be a bit of a game-changer. His slider is as good as advertised. It's a really, really good offering. It's, I think, comfortably plus. But the rest of the arsenal, I think it's I think it's a little arm speed dependent right now, and he's more of a thrower than a pitcher, in my opinion. I think it's incredible that he's gotten to the point where he is a major leaguer and the fact that he got to the major leagues last year. Um, I don't think it was done prematurely by any stretch of the imagination, but I just think there's enough things that he needs to work on where he's not necessarily in major league consideration. You know, it's funny, even though Waldrop was drafted just last year, I think he's a little bit more closer to major league contribution, positive major league contribution than Shaver is just because uh, Waldrop has actually been pitching a little bit longer than, than Smith Shaver. Smith Shaver was uh, not a full-time pitcher. He was a multi-sport athlete in high school. So there's a lot of ways that that AJ Smith Shaver's uh, way projection can go, given how relatively new he is to pitching. So as much upside as he does have, which I acknowledge, given the the sheer arm strength and you know, his ability to learn and develop as much as he has in such a limited time, there still are enough of the secondaries, you know, the curveball specifically. I think he just needs that off-speed offering aside from his slider to really get him to that next level. 
And until he gets to that point, I think he's going to have a little bit of a problem getting lefties out too. So that's also part of it here. So it's just the unoptimized fastball. It's it's really a lack of a changeup or an off-speed pitch that you know he can get opposite side hitters out with. But again, this is a guy that's made some pretty serious advancements over the last couple of years that he's been in the organization. And would it surprise me that he evolves uh, and is able to generate either a splitter or change up or, or something of the sort. Absolutely not. But as of this moment, he just does not have that. And so that's why he's a little bit lower for us. One other thing I will say is that, you know, we came out with this list in November and as we'll talk about a little bit later, Chris, um, these rankings are snapshot in time. And, you know, in the case of Smith Shaver, if I had to redo this list over again, there, there's actually a chance that he might be a little bit higher than some of the names ahead of him, you know, Owen Murphy and Ignacio Alvarez. I don't know that. I have to really think about it. But that's also an important distinction here is that these lists are not meant to be written to any sort of Bible or anything as, you know, as scripture. It's it's more so, you know, this is what we think at this current time. And we're open to having a different opinion at, at some other date. So if Smith Shaver shows us that he's got a new pitch that he's been working on or if he's got a better grip of the curveball and then he's got the fastball slider and curve and the curve serves as more of the downward action pitch. All right, then then we're talking about someone that has made some strides and should be a little bit higher in people's eyes. Yeah, that's that's exciting to hear because, I mean, the Braves famously, you know, they're going to have some questions in that rotation uh, going forward after the 2024 season. And I think, you know, it would be in their it would be huge for them if Waldrip, A.J. Smith, Shaver or any of these other guys actually look like a, an answer to that. You know, it'll it'll lessen mm-hmm. how much they have to spend in free agency or, you know, and we saw the prices for starters this offseason was astronomical. So, yeah. you know, if they can hit on some of these um, homegrown guys, I think it's going to be huge. Um, yeah, and I didn't mean to frame it that you you guys were low on A.J. Smith-Shaver. I think, uh, you know, one of the things to, to really look at here is just how, how impressed you are with Owen Murphy who ranked uh, yeah. second behind uh, Hurston Waldrop. Uh, you know, what is it about Murphy that, you know, jumps off the, uh, jumped off the page to you? Yeah, so we're kind of cheating here because Murphy is such an easy scout because you can see why he's so appealing, right? He's got good arm speed. He's got good arm action, solid velocity for a prep arm, excellent rise on the pitch. He's got really good life in the way that Waldrop and, and Smith don't necessarily have. And he's got both a, a curve and this, quasi cutter quasi slider and something in between if you look at the the velocity and the movement um you know he's got a really deep arsenal given those three pitches um and i think he's just got a better feel for command as compared to smith shaver i I think i still think smith shaver is a bit of a thrower whereas i think there is a case that murphy is actually a little bit more of a pitcher now, that usually coincides with less upside, but the fact that Murphy's got the plus fastball and he's got the plus curve, I think is really, really key here. It's it's not like we're talking about a guy with good command, but a lack of stuff, as we usually think. He's also got this changeup, though, that uh, I think is promising. It's it's quite raw, but that's to be expected for a, a prep arm. He maintains the arm speed, but I think it's more of a pitch grip issue. 
And I think he's probably a candidate for a circle change at this point. And I think if you struggle with a, a, a cambio, as we like to call it, I think you'd rather struggle with the pitch grip as opposed to having your arm speed slow down as compared to your fastball. So in the way that Waldrip needs to work on some things that the Braves have been very good at working on in, in, in the past with pitchers, Murphy also has this um, skill set specifically with the changeup um, in the pitch grips that the Braves are quite good at. They're really good at adjusting pitch grips for pitchers and getting the most out of uh, certain pitch groups. So if you need to have a bit of a different uh, grip on your slider, if you need to learn a sweeper based off of your arm slot, the Braves are one of the best at making those adjustments for pitchers and, and making it in a way that makes sense to the pitcher in a way that can actually replicate. So in the case of Murphy, if he's able to develop that changeup, he's got probably the most well-rounded arsenal of any pitcher in this organization. Maybe not the most elite. I'd still think that would go with Waldrip and if Smith Schauber can get uh, some of the pitches that we've talked about in order, if he can get the change up, I think I'd take his arsenal. But, you know, there's very little evidence to this point that Smith Schauber can throw a change up successfully. Whereas we've already seen flashes of Murphy with that change up and it looking quite good at times. So I think there's just the, the fact that he's got a little bit more of a complete arsenal and that he's able to command a strike zone to throw his pitches where he wants with more regularity in the Smith Shaver, I think gives them that, that safer floor. But, you know, there's also inherently some upside there, given that his stuff is not just that of a normal strike thrower without much, uh, without, without much stuff. So I think right now, the way to think about Owen Murphy is that he could be uh, this organization's Brian Wu and that he's got a really flat fastball that is lethal up in the zone and that he's got some secondaries to work with, but the changeup while flashing plus at times is just a little too inconsistent to grade it as such. But, you know, if you take off with that changeup, as we've talked about with Brian Wu on, on the BP Prospect channel uh, a plenty of times, you know, Owen Murphy could absolutely catapult himself into a, a number two or three starter, um, I think, quite comfortably. Yeah, that that's pretty exciting. We know the Braves have spent a ton of uh, uh, draft capital the last few years uh, on pitching, and in particular, if you look at your at BP's top ten uh, Braves list, there's seven right-handed pitchers in the top ten. Who else of this group that jumps out at you? I know you had some glow reading the write-ups today. I know you had some glowing things to say about J.R. Ritchie before he uh, uh, had the Tommy John surgery. But mm-hmm. uh, who who else among this group really jumps out at you? Yeah, and and before I even answer that question, you said something interesting before that I do want to touch on here. You you mentioned that the Braves are going to have some tough decisions to make with pitchers coming up in 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 future years, and you know specifically Max Fried and Charlie Morton come to mind, right? And and even Chris Sale as he gets a little bit older, you know, if you think about this, the Braves did such a masterclass in drafting, developing, and signing their position players to really team-friendly extensions that it now affords them the opportunity to go pitching heavy in draft class and not really have to worry about some of their hitters uh, in the minor leagues because they've got a whole lineup of guys that are locked up for at least the next five years. It's absolutely ludicrous. So, you know, they are developing their farm system in the way that's going to help their major league roster the most and they don't really have to worry about hitters. So, of course, they're going to take a bunch of pitchers early in the draft and hope that they can have a hit rate of call it 30 to 40% on those guys. If they have a hit rate on 30, 40% of the top 10 here. You know, you've got three or four pitchers 
you're talking about that could be you know real contributors to the major league staff. And so with that in mind, um, I think J.R. Ritchie, as you said, really does come to mind. I think there's a case that he could have been the number two or three guy in this system before he went down with uh, the Tommy John surgery, which was really, really unfortunate. But he's actually got a fastball that was throwing harder, uh, being thrown harder than Owen Murphy's. But again, kind of like Aegis Mishaver and Hurston Waldrip, the movement profile was just okay. What was interesting, though, was that he was tinkering with a two-seamer that looked really good. So if you put the two-seamer and four-seamer together and you just group that into a fastball grade, it's actually above average, even though the, the four-seamer has lackluster life at this point. The the sweeper and the changeup, uh, maybe it's not even a sweeper, but it's a sweeping slider. How about that? Um, and the changeup both showed um, really good movement profiles that tunnel extremely well out of the hand. But similar to Murphy, you know, the changeup was quite raw. So because he's losing so much developmental time due to the surgery, he is a little bit lower than Murphy, but he was right in line with Murphy as far as I'm concerned. In fact, I think there's a case that his secondaries were showing more promise than, than Murphy's. And there, thus, I think there's a real case that he could have been uh, number two or three before the injury. But, you know, some of the other guys that you mentioned um, here specifically, like Drew Hackenberg. Drew Hackenberg is one of those guys that you look at and you see what he did in college. And he had a 5-7 ERA across 85 innings with Virginia Tech. So he was at a pretty big program in a very big conference, did not perform well. This is what I like to call a 2020s draft pick um, because before TrackMan, I don't think this guy would have gotten the first, you know, 10 rounds. Um, instead, he goes 59th overall and gets almost $2 million in a signing bonus. Um, and the reason for that is because he's got, you know, this two-seamer sinker that um, he doesn't throw us, you know, sensationally hard, but it does touch 96 at times. It's got very late movement and guys pound it into the ground all the time. So he's a contact suppression specialist that I, I think is going to be a go-to often for him. I think it could be a plus sinker in time. Um, his slider is definitely a sweeper. It's it, it flashes above average in its movement profile, but it's a little bit inconsistent. And that's actually where he got in some trouble as a collegiate thrower. And, and really he is a thrower at times. Um, especially with the sweeper. But, you know, I, I think the sweeper is one of the easier things, or the slider in general is just one of the easier pitches to develop for guys. And if you're showing flashes of it being above average, I, I think you can do it on a consistent basis if you're able to tinker with the pitch grips or the arm slot a little bit better. So I think that's actually, that's part of the uh, analysis here in grading for us is that, um, you know, we're anticipating that the sweeper gets a little bit better for him. The changeup is tough to grade at this point, given how little he's thrown it because he's mostly been a sinker sweeper guy. But um, I, I talked to some people um, across the industry that thought that there was some real promise with the changeup. So my sense is that there's hope for his changeup, given the velocity separation that he generates off his sinker without sacrificing arm speed. So, you know, you're talking about a sinker, sweeper, change guy that does have pretty good command of his sinker and uh, change whenever he's thrown it. So it's it's not going to be the overwhelming swing and miss stuff. But I think if you're looking for 
a guy with probably the highest floor of the guys that we haven't talked about already, I think that he certainly has a case. Um, Spencer Swellenbach, as as, uh, I talk about in my write-up of him, was a guy that also was a two-way player at Nebraska. They love guys that are multi-sport or two-way players um, in the way that the Dodgers do. And hint, hint, if the Dodgers and Braves are doing something, chances are you might want to start to do that as well. Um, so they just get these really athletic guys that are the molds of uh, that are balls of clay, and they try to mold them into the pitchers that they can be. And Schwellenbach throws probably as hard as anyone on this list uh, in the top ten. You know, Smith Schauver and, and Schwellenbach can both get up to about ninety nine. What's interesting for me is that his command, the command of his pitches, is good. And he's got the good fastball. It's the secondaries that I do question a little bit with Schwellenbach. But, you know, we've been talking about how guys have, um, you know, inability to really locate um, certain pitch types, especially their secondaries on this list already. Schwellenbach doesn't have that problem. He can locate. It's just that I'm not sure that his secondaries are quite to the extent of a Murphy or a Richie or even a Hackenberg, frankly. So, you know, while we're talking about a guy that I think will be a major leaguer, I'm not sure it's going to be anything more than, you know, a, a, a pretty interesting number four starter that you're going to keep wanting more and more out of because of how hard he throws. And, you know, we even saw this in, in some of the numbers for him on the, some of the underlying stats. You know, he doesn't have the greatest swing and miss rates on his secondaries, but he throws a ton of strikes. And when you throw a ton of strikes and you put guys in, unadvantageous counts, um, you're usually going to have pretty good results, especially when you're able to throw 99 and, and throw it for strikes. So, um, you know, it's interesting. They've got guys that succeed in different ways on this list. They don't have like one set it and forget it archetype like some teams do. And that's, that makes it kind of an interesting and I don't want to say challenging, but yeah, I think an interesting way uh, or, or system to evaluate and rank. Yeah, that's 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 great stuff. It's good to it's good to hear you uh, spell it out like that because it gives you something to think about as far as the differences in some of these guys. Um, as we mentioned, you know, seven of the top ten are, are right-handed pitchers. Braves don't have a ton of uh, of interesting position player prospects, but one of the guys that uh, that has turned some heads is Ignacio Nacho Alvarez, who ranks number three on your top 10 list. He's already yeah. seen um, some uh, time early in the spring this year playing shortstop, which I think is one of the long-term questions about him. But I will uh, I will let you uh, talk about that. But what, what are your thoughts on, on Alvarez overall? Yeah, so I, I love Nacho Alvarez, uh, obviously. Um, when you rank him ahead of uh, a guy that had some buzz in A.J. Smith-Shawver, we, we do like him a lot. And um, – the way that I like to, to think about this um, is when you're evaluating the hit tool for players, you know, there are certain, aside from just the, the visual evaluation, which is certainly important and still important in today's modern age, there are some indicators statistically that we can look at to get a sense of what that hit tool might look like. And, and there are some numbers that we've honed in on at BP that I I think really illustrate why we like Alvarez as a prospect. So the first one is that um, Alvarez is really good with his swing decisions. And and what I mean by that is he's excellent at um, 
really, really excellent at not swinging at pitches outside the strike zone, and he's very aggressive at pitches inside the strike zone. There's a difference between being selective and being passive. Alvarez is very selective, and this is illustrated by BP's very own Robert Orr, who came out with something called a Seeger score in honor of Corey Seeger, uh, because Corey Seeger is the model, the poster child for not swinging pitch outside the zone, being aggressive in the zone. Um, Ignacio Alvarez is right up there as one of the best Seeger scorers in the Braves system. So that's a really good basis to work off of. But on top of that, he's got a really good ability to put bat to the ball on in pitches inside the zone. And he's able to do it against a variety of different pitch types. He can hit fastballs. He can hit breaking balls. He can hit off speed. And he does it with regularity. Um, and you can kind of see this not only in the strikeout numbers, but also you can see it in the swinging strike rates. Um, that's public information. He's, he's quite low. What I think Alvarez needs to work on and what I, I have to imagine is what the Braves um, are working with him on in the offseason and spring training is to try to lift the ball a little bit more. You know, he's got good exit velocities. They're not elite, but I'd say they're, you know, in the 55 grade range, so above average. But he does hit the ball into the ground a little bit too often. So that's going to limit his power upside a little bit. And you saw that with the seven home runs and 500 plus plate appearances with Rome last year. He hits the ball hard enough where that should be a little bit higher. And, you know, we, we've seen guys begin to lift the ball uh, that have below average power. If they pull the ball and they lift the ball, similar to how Isak Paredes got 35 home runs. Ignacio Alvarez, if if he's able to pull the ball and lift the ball, I think could be a 20 to 25 home run guy, but he's not quite there yet. So the power output, you know, we grade as about average right now. Um, But, you know, if he's able to get to that above average power, you're talking about a 55 hit tool, maybe even a six hit tool with 55 game power. And that's that's really, really interesting stuff. And if he's able to stick at the six, that makes it even more interesting the problem is I'm not sure that's going to happen. I think Alvarez reminds me a little bit of Von Grissom. Now, Von Grissom is obviously a little bit taller, a little bit more svelte than Alvarez is. Alvarez is a little bit more stocky. He's a really good defender at third base. I don't know if that's going to work at shortstop. I'm perfectly open to being wrong on that, though. Um, and I, I don't think we've seen enough in spring training to really get a sense for that. But... You know, the fact that the Braves are trying to play him at short uh, and playing him aggressively so far in spring training tells you that, you know, they want to try to get the fast track for Alvarez this year because as good and productive as um, Orlando Arcia was last year, they don't really have a ton of depth at shortstop in in the farm system, especially after trading Braden Shoemake away in the Aaron Bummer deal. So, you know, you've got some questions there. I think he might play there out of convenience. I'm not necessarily sure that's where he should play long-term though. Yeah, that's good stuff. And I mean, that's the questions I kind of had about Alvarez and the Braves have famously, you know, kind of prioritized defense at shortstop right now. And with the lineup they have, 
you know, they can afford to do that because they've got enough, uh, they've got enough offense coming from other areas. So, uh, it will yeah. be interesting to see, you know, where he, if they continue to push him at shortstop or if, you know, he looks at a position switch down the road, but obviously is a very impressive hitter and has looked very impressive so far early in the spring. I know we're getting close to end of time here, but I, I wanted to ask you, uh, is there a player, a prospect outside the top 10 that really jumps out to you that you think could could move up this list? Yeah, absolutely. Um, and again, I want to emphasize when I say this that the list that we came out with in November is, again, just a snapshot in that exact moment on November 8th, 2023. What did I think of these guys? What did BP think of these guys? I was far too low on young Carlos Lara. I'm okay admitting that. Young Carlos Lara, young Carlos Lara, young Carlos Lara. That's the answer. Um, you're talking about a guy that, you know, if you look at the walk rates last year, they're they're worrisome, right? Like they're not great for someone that started in low A and eventually made their way to high A Rome at the end of the season. However, you you look at the progression that he made from a strike throwing perspective as the season progressed. And there's no question that he made a lot of progress. And it wasn't just that he was getting guys to chase it pitches outside the zone, which he was, but he was also getting ahead in counts earlier and setting up this ridiculous fastball slider combination that he has. I'm just going to say it. Lara might have the best fastball in this system. I don't know if there's even really debate there because on top of the upper 90s, high octane stuff he's got it shows huge carry and we're talking about almost 20 inches of induced vertical break which if you know anything about um trackman analytics that essentially looks at it's essentially the rise on the pitch right induced vertical break is the rise that a fastball that a pitch has he has the best carry of any fastball in the system and oh by the way he throws 99 his slider is more of a gyro meaning that it's not a sweeper so it doesn't emphasize movement but it emphasizes quick short movement and it tunnels exceptionally well with his fastball so while his command over the course of the season was not great not better over the course of the season and what i also like and this is where the analytics and the visual evaluation come together he's got a very simple mechanical process that starts in the lower half he's able to explode and sequentially get to his release point in terms of transferring power from his legs to his arm. Lara has a very, very simple delivery that I think will allow him to throw strikes. So the big litmus test for him is going to be against double-A hitters because the biggest jump that I think a prospect makes in the minor leagues, aside from when they go from the minor to the majors, is double-A because at that point, the hitters have a better idea of the strike zone than the lower minors do and the pitchers are able to throw more strikes. Can Lara continue this command ascension that he enjoyed the last couple of months of the season and carry that over? If he does, this might be a hot take, but there is a non-zero chance that he might be the best pitching prospect in this system next year if that actually is the case. That's pretty exciting to to hear, and I know he was a guy that we kind of latched on to at the end of last season too, and uh, our minor league writers was really following him. So, it'll be interesting to see him, and maybe we'll get a, a chance to see him at some point during the spring as well. 
Um, Smith, I want to thank you again for coming on. Uh, this was all great. Yeah. Um, please, if, if you've got anything to plug, go ahead and do so now. Yeah, no, I appreciate it, Chris. And, you know, thank you all for listening. But, you know, we've got a prospect show that is on the Baseball Perspectives Podcast Network. We've got all the different podcasts, Dive and Dive, which is a semi-weekly uh, podcast that covers all the, the doings of Major League Baseball with our host, Craig Goldstein, who's my editor. But we've also got a, um, a show that goes on during the season every other week um, on the weekends where me and my co-host, Nathan Graham, who's also on the scouting team at BP, we go over some of the names throughout the minor leagues that are real hot, some of the guys that may not be so hot. And then we also answer some, some listener questions about any prospects they are curious about. Um, so we have been doing our top prospect podcasts on the PP podcast network during the off season, but our show called the heat check will be available, um, as the season ramps up in the minor leagues. Again, that's called the heat check. It's on the baseball Respectus podcast network. And if you want to, uh, read up on anything I might put out there, I am on Twitter or now X, I guess, um, at Smith Brickner, just one word. Um, and feel free to send me a DM if you'd like. If you have any questions about a prospect, I'd be happy to try to answer some best of my ability. But um, this has been great, Chris. Really appreciate you having me on. Oh, yeah. It's, it was great for uh, us as well. We appreciate all the info you gave us. Uh, thank you again for coming on. Uh, again, check out Smith's work over at Baseball Prospectus. They've got plenty of good stuff, majors and minors, not just um, you know, not just minor league stuff. They've got a lot of great major league stuff. Their baseball uh, annual uh, that comes out every season is one of my favorite things uh, about the off season because when that annual arrives, it means the off season is just about over and the new season's coming. Uh, again, mm-hmm. thank thank you, Smith, for coming on, and uh, we'll be back with a new show later this week. Thank you, guys. Hey, this is Scott Galloway, author, professor, entrepreneur, and most importantly, host of the Prop G podcast. We got a special series running on right now called The Future of Work, where I answer all your questions on, surprise, The Future of Work. Questions including, what are we missing when we work remotely? Or how do we handle work-life balance when a major opportunity comes knocking? From the provocative to the technical, we're offering insights you won't want to miss. So tune in to the Future of Work, a Pod special sponsored by Canva. You can find it on the Pod wherever you get your podcasts.